they were from and poor. And uh, money, money contributions from um, wealthier Jews abroad um, purported to build a beautiful state-of-the-art in 1893 hospital. The hospital serviced um, everybody around, the Jews, the Arabs. The Jews and the Arabs, without exaggerating, it wasn't like we were best friends, but the Jews and the Arabs in Hebron were pretty decent. Like, the Jews were, it was an older community. They got along pretty well. Yeah, this is very good. I, after we finish, you're paid off for having, for having to endure me for this entire for this entire day. Your pay off, the payoff is you're gonna play, we're gonna play it like crazy afterwards. But Ari, Ari, no, give, give me the couple minutes. Let me let me at least give you a grounding, understand where we are, um, and uh, and, then, and we're gonna have some time to to, to have fun. Um, yeah. So the Beta Dasa was set up. Jews and Arabs live next to each other. Relatively peaceful coexistence. I mean, the kind of thing like after Pesach. Uh, the Jews would go right next door to their shop, to their Pesach boy, where they sold other Pesach, and they'd, they'd come home with like delicious, you know, they'd come home with a flour and make and make pizza that night, or the or the equivalent, or malawa, whatever, whatever they would have. Um, but there was relative coexistence. The hospital proves it. Uh, the hospital was was among the first um, the first places that was designated for the destruction in 1929. 1929 is a longer story. This is what you need to know. Um, the Jews and the Muslims have been fighting over the coast of the, the, the newly appointed new position called the Grand Mufti, who was uh, arguably the inventor of much of the Arab-Israeli conflict, Haj Amin al-Husseini, um, decided that the coast was a Muslim holy place. You know that? Yeah. Muslim, it was a Muslim holy place as of 1920. And they'd been tussling over the coast cell until it finally got out of hand. And then it went in a very planned, orchestrated way all around the country. Imams preached from their mosques that we're going to get the Jews, we're going to stop the Zionist movement, this fledgling movement in its tracks, we're going to show them with violence that there's no way they're going to realize their plans and have a Jewish state. And the violence erupted in August of 1929 when, when um, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, the second to last Lubavitcher Rebbe, the uncle of the last one, um, visited uh, the, in Yerushalayim, he visited certain areas that they said were out of his kin, shouldn't have gone there, and they used that as the excuse. Like later they would use other visits, Ariel Sharon's visit is the excuse for the second intifada, and they burst out rioting. Now, um, there's a story about this in All for the Boss. David Herman, the uh, the son of Rabbi Yaakov Yosef, I told you the story, he was the one, we said on Shabbos, he was the one who went around the Lower East Side, convincing the peddlers just to close up shop for Shabbos, and he wound up paying them the money that they would have made on Shabbos. His son was studying in Hebron, in Yeshiva. This is, the, this is the old Yeshiva. It's just around the corner up the street. The old Hebron Yeshiva, it had moved from Slobodka. It was called the Knesset Yisrael, named for Yisrael, Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, the founder of the Musr movement, the inspiration for the Yeshiva, great Musr Yeshiva, moves to Hebron in 1924, Here's the altar of Slobodka, who moved over, he was the Rosh Yeshiva here, great stories about him. Uh, here are the students, this is what the students look like, not the typical Yerushalmim, they came with brown suits and, and, uh, and, and monkey hats, uh, different kind of a, of a, of a style in Hebron. Um, and they, they moved to Hebron, and David Herman was learning in Hebron, his mother had a nightmare, the mother, Mrs. Herman, had a nightmare, she was in the Lower East Side, an older man and older woman came to her, frantically crying and telling her, you must now bring David home from Hebron. This was in June of 1929. She woke up, 
it helps if you're the Hermans. They happen to have really holy house guests at the time. All the Gedolim stayed by them, Machnas Sorchim. He was the Machni Sorchim of the Lower East Side. Rav Baruch Perleben, which was staying there, he heard the dream. He said, you've been visited by Avram and Sarah. Bring David home. Tell him to come home from Hebron. It took a while. Once upon a time, they learned overseas. Many of these, many of these students came from other places, from Europe, from America, like David Herman. Uh, they came to learn Eretz Israel a year abroad, two years abroad, five years abroad. That's how they did it. We do it too. Um, and um, the yeshiva down the street was the first site that was attacked. Uh, a student, Shmuel Rabinovich, was, listen to what a masmid he was. It was Benazmani after Tisha B'Av. After Tisha B'Av, it was on a Friday afternoon. Who learns in the base medrash? He was learning the base medrash, and uh, the mob set upon him. And he was the first victim of the attacks. But the attacks are really, it's hard to, it's hard to read about. Uh, it's, it's grueling. Mom is what they did. They pounded, they broke into homes, and they were savage. All over Hebron. But all the attacks all around the Arabs and Polish, the hardest hit community was Hebron. There were 163 murders during these attacks that took place over Shabbos and the next day. Uh, throughout the country, Hebron lost 67 Jews. But that, those were just the Jews who were murdered. Uh, anybody is squeamish, you might not want to look at these. The email's getting closer. Uh, yeah, it's not, 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 not related to laugh at. Um, people, yeah, people were maimed permanently. People lost limbs. Where'd they go? They were they were hacked down in their homes on Shabbos. The Slonim family, a Chabad family, um, was planning a wedding the following week. People who weren't even from Hebron had come down for the Ufruf, the uh, traditional Shabbos before for the Hassan. Many of the wedding party were murdered. These in the Slonim family, many people, many people lost their lives. This baby, this photo. This baby survived. His immediate family were all murdered. And he would come back up until recently. He's an old man. I don't know if he's still alive, but he would come back and tell his story, come back and give tours in Hebron. This baby that I'm pointing to under my finger. He's one of the survivors. That was in 1929. Slonim. Slonim's the last name. That's the family. So how about family? Um, this museum tells the story, um, but they charge you money for it. And I just downloaded the pictures and gave, gave it to you. Um, the story of the massacre and the, and the, and the, and the story of the Hebron community. Um, after this massacre, the, um, the British the British who were here, the British, by the way, step back for a second, finish the story. The British were here, they were the law, they were the power, they prohibited Jews from carrying guns. They were the ones who, they were the only chance that they had to really protect themselves. They were down the street and did nothing. And only when they feared that the rioters would actually attack them did they move. They only oh, yeah move out. I think you're blocking people. Um, only only then the British move. Um, the British, after the fact, decided that the logical thing to do after the aggression of the Arabs in Hebron was to evacuate the ancient Jewish community. And so the Jews, many against their will, were forced to pack up their homes and move out of Hebron. That was 1929. I said there were a couple holdovers, uh, and then goat pens and desecration 
the shell of the building was, was, was preserved because the Arabs moved in and took the place of the Jews. Uh, 1948, the state of of Israel was declared independence. This was deep into Jordanian territory. 1967, the Six-Day War, um, a rogue battalion of of, of the army, a rogue uh, division of the army um, against the orders, express orders of the defense minister, Moshe Dayan, actually went in when they were doing well in army in, in the war, they went in on Monday, on Tuesday and Wednesday, and they just pushed right into the West Bank with almost no resistance. I said how Hebron fell without without any response. The mayor offered a white flag, and so they took all of this back. After the fact, Moshe Dayan said, "Well, okay, I guess we took it." But Uzi Narkis, one of the high-ranking generals, said it was not anything that anybody planned, except for Shem, uh, that Hebron should fall back into Jewish hands. Um, we said down the street also is the Park Hotel that in 1968 the Jews tried to come back to Hebron they were evacuated there were a few more attempts to come back and live in Hebron Kiryat Arba was created the Jews didn't have a chance to really make it here 1979 a group of women decided they are going to take matters into their hands it's a great story, it's very dramatic the, the, the figures come out I think Looking great, which they are. They're great people. Uh, the, the, the one, the, the the star of the show is Sarah, um, Sarah and Baruch. Uh, the last name is Nachshon. Sarah Nachshon. Um, she's still alive, grandmother in Kiryat Arba. Um, I don't agree with the ideology. We, we described that earlier, but I can value the people, and I'll I'll explain why I'm telling the story the way I am. So Sarah Nachshon and a bunch of her her friends, all women, all mothers of large families. Uh, decided to come up with a good plan to get Hebron back. They uh, did a lot of planning, a lot of organizing, lots of, bought lots of sacks of potatoes and some chemical toilets, uh, woke their kids up in the middle of the night and said, sweetheart, we're going on a little adventure. They snuck out of Kiryat Arba, crossed over, if you track it, it was not so far away, walking distance, a couple hours with little kids. They came into the now-abandoned shell of the Beit Hadassah, old hospital with rooms, took their sacks of potatoes, took all of their uh, their belongings, and set up shop. So that by the next morning, when the army realized what had happened, and the women moved in, it became a fact on the ground, and the army came with loudspeakers and said, okay, nice try, we're evacuating you. The women responded, and they were clever, they said, come get us. See, in the past, it was always the men, and soldiers have no problem roughhousing it with the men and dragging them away. Women... The soldiers are not so quick to, to move. They say, ah, we're not going to touch women. What is this? Religious women, no less. And they let them go. And the commander of the army said, it's okay. We'll let them go. They'll get tired. They'll wear out. But they didn't realize who they were taking up with. The women did not wear out. They endured for days, for weeks. Their husbands would come from a distance, uh, close enough that they could hear them. The army permitted them. They had, they had a roadblock. They weren't permitted to come in to the Beit Hadassah. But the uh, their husbands would come and serenade, serenade them. And sing Shalom Lechem Lechad That one they sing with extra extra strength. Um, it, that was a tragic story because at such a such an event when they were singing one night they were attacked by terrorists and one of the husbands was murdered. Not push it this. This is not push it. What's going on? And and put it in the global scheme of things. What's going on in Klal Yisrael these days? Our lot in Eretz Yisrael. It's not not simple at all. We have to. to Ask Shilas and think long and hard, what, what, what should we be doing? What are our priorities? In any event, these women endured 
so much so that the army gave up on them and eventually allowed their husbands to move in and the new community of Hebron was born in Beit Hadassah. After Beit Hadassah, they set up Avravinu. Uh, there are other clusters that have been attempted, other attempts to try to move into old Jewish uh, plots, old abandoned Arab apartments. Sometimes it's successful, sometimes they're evacuated. Um, early on, the Nachshons had a baby, and they decided, now that the Jews are back living in Hebron, that they want to do something for the first time, as long as anybody can remember, arguably, maybe for thousands of years, they'd like to, they, they have a baby boy, and they'd like to give him a bris mila in the Mars Mabela, which at that time was off limits to the Jews. Uh, they could go in under, under very, very specific circumstances, very restricted, no davening in a mosque, and uh, no religious events. But these are sneaky people, and they're gonna, they're very, they're, they're gonna do what they want to do. And they snuck in a mohel, they snuck in the knives, they snuck in the baby, and uh, real quick, hopefully not too quick, uh, the mohel did his job, and uh, the baby was circumcised. And at the bris, they named the baby Avram. Avram uh, Nachshon. The baby was born, and the first bris took place in the Mars Mapela in the modern era. Uh, the story is bittersweet, as much of these stories in Hebron are bittersweet. Uh, a few months later, the baby dies of crib death. It happens sometimes. You hear, you don't hear about it so much these days, Baruch Hashem, but they used to be more common. Crib deaths. And uh, Sarah Nachshon decides that the baby deserves a proper burial. At the time, uh, the, the ancient cemetery up the hill was off limits to Jews deeply into Arab uh, territory, off limits, and they, they petitioned, we want to bury our baby there, no way. Sarah Nachshon takes the baby, takes the body, goes over to the soldiers at the roadblock, and walks past them. And the soldiers look at one another, a breathing mother, they let her go, and the funeral procession followed. So Sarah goes up to the hill, the old cemetery where all these gedolim that I just described to you are buried. They dig a grave, and she stands and she says, she says a hespade, a eulogy by the, by, the, by the burial. She said, over 3,500 years ago, our ancestors came here, and they recognized in this soil, the Adama, they recognized the holiness of this land. It was the, and it remains, the, it's, it's, the, it's the transition point between this world and Gan Eden. The fragrance of Gan Eden, some say if you stand just in the right place, you can smell it. Our beloved ancestor Avram came to bury his, his wife, his, his uh, soulmate. He purchased land for this event, and this was the Jewish connection to the land. Today I stand here, a bereaved mother, Sarah, who's come to bury her son Avram. We're back, the Jews are here, we're in Hebron, we're not leaving. So uh, that was the beginning of the new settlement. Jews have set up shop. I've done beautifully. Lovely community here. Uh, I can vouch for that Shabbos that I spent here at the early, early stages of my own uh, growth as a religious Jew. It was inspiring. I saw people who were really um, dedicated to, the, to, to Hashem and to their lives. They were admirable. Um, given the words of Rav Shach that I mentioned before, that this is not the investment, this is not the priority of Klal Yisrael, the way, I, the way I look at this, and you can take home your, whatever lessons you want, my, my Mr. Haskell in all of this is to think, imagine this kind of mysterious nefesh of these people who are quite literally putting their lives in the line, doing something they believe is the right thing. And I think they're misguided, but I think they believe that they're doing the right thing. They're totally sincere. Imagine that kind of mysterious nefesh for Torah, for mitzvahs, for tikkun midos, for all the things that really 
Hashem says, and Perkei says, and we could only emphasize, really are the way that we get we get out of this mess and get towards Mashiach. We had that this kind of mysterious nefesh in the right area. Am Yisrael will be a different nation. Today it's a home. Today it's an apartment complex. It's private residences. I wouldn't want to disturb them. The bottom floor is a museum. They have a particularly cheesy, awful movie. Um, you can pay 25 shekels a head if you want to and see it. I don't hate all the movies. Rav Dani and I were talking yesterday about some of the movies. Some are better than others. We love that one. The, the, the wrapping turkey almost got me. I'm there. That was the best. This, this one, not so much. Other questions, other thoughts? Um... Look, what we can't see today, we can't, I, 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 I'm tempted, I, we shouldn't, we don't have permission to do it, and uh, I, I, I'm grateful to, uh, that, we, that we got as far as we did, it's extraordinary, Baruch Hashem, Hashem, somehow gave us the green light, uh, they didn't let us go up to the, to the cemetery, um, right around the corner is an old building, you don't really see much, I mean, you saw more in my picture of the old, the old, uh, holy, holy yeshiva, the yeshiva, the yeshiva, Baruch Hashem, was able to rejuvenate itself, transfer to Yushalayim, and remains one of the great yeshivas in the world today, called, renamed after the Knesset Israel, renamed the Hebron Yeshiva. And, uh, yeah. Let's do it. Want to go to Kevin Let's do it. Yeah. Good suggestion. But first, you must go to the bathroom and play.
Yeah, of course. 